It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. You know, I feel like I don't want the Dubcast to turn into a weekly back and forth about whether or not we're going to have football or not. You know, breathlessly recounting every new thing by saying, absolutely yes, absolutely no, I don't know. And this kind of, you know, chasing our tails for months and months and months. I still don't know how much is actually going to change as a result of the news that's kind of been dropping um, you know, today, really. And, and, and honestly, as of this recording within the past few hours. So we'll get to that in a second. I actually want to start off this dubcast, though, with I think a little more pertinent information, uh, a little more serious, I guess you could say, information, uh, which is, of course, uh, Ohio State's uh, Haskell Garrett defensive tackle uh, getting shot on Sunday, um, trying to break up a fight and ended up in the hospital. And thank God, I mean, th- look. So much, so much could have happened. I mean, you could have had a, a, a Ohio State player who would have died on Sunday morning, but thank God that that did not happen. Um, and uh, he was able to, you know, not obviously minor injuries, but not life-threatening injuries. And uh, just all the prayers and, and, and best wishes to him and his family uh, for a really quick and speedy recovery because, man, that's that's so scary. It's so scary. I just cannot imagine you know, being in the situation that, that, uh, he finds himself in, you know, you're a high profile member of the team. So you're getting maybe outsized attention to any other shooting victim, uh, already, but, but the details of the story, I mean, you know, good on him, I guess, for, for stepping in the, the, what the reports that, uh, are out based on Columbus police reporting that he stepped in, um, between a man and a woman, he didn't know arguing, and being aggressive, according that's a that's a pretty yeah. direct quote from the police report. Um, and Garrett told the man to stop arguing with the woman, and then the dude turned toward Garrett, pulled the gun, and shot him in the face. Uh, you know, like I mean, oh. doing doing what he's supposed to do as a human being, right? Yeah. Like yeah. doing the right, good, moral thing, trying to like break up a fight, trying to protect somebody who you know probably needs protecting, and just dealing with those kind of consequences it's just, it is mind-blowing and like i said it's just i have an enormous respect for somebody who's willing to do that especially you know at 12 30 on sunday uh you know in the now, morning this, I, I just that's, that's probably tough stuff. that's tough this, stuff you know this is probably where it's good to remember the jim trestle psa that nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night uh, <laughs> right so you know haskell next time you know go to bed at 10 and and these things won't happen but but uh, kidding aside like seriously good on you for stepping in and what sounded like a nasty situation uh, and, and trying to stand up for somebody who, who maybe was in a situation where they were going to be the one on the wrong end of, right. of a firearm. Uh, but Hey, you know, people in Columbus stop shooting each other. Like, yeah. come on, what's that all about? You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, you know, believer in responsible use of firearms and shooting a guy uh, in the face is not a responsible use of a firearm in this context. Okay. So maybe stop doing that. Yeah. It's, it's sad and it's scary. Um, I'm just, you know, you think about all the things that have kind of happened to Ohio state sports. I mean, we've had players, you know, die in recent years and, and, Mm -hmm. and other things where, you know, there's just been a lot of scary incidents happen. Um, and you know, it's weird because from a website standpoint, when you're talking about reporting on things and whatnot, and, what we do is, you know, we try to get out information 
as quickly as we can. And, and when something happens, particularly if you're a weekend editor, or you're one of our beat writers, you see something and you just gotta go bam, 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 time to, you know, put that on the website, start reporting all that stuff. So you don't really have time to think about it. And I just know the, the pit in your stomach when you wake up on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning and you see something like this, you know, go across your feed or you see it in Slack and you know, like you've got to start the ball rolling, uh, you know, in terms of reporting, in terms of writing about it. But it's, you, as a human being, you want to be able to process this crazy, horrible thing that just happened. Um, so it's, it's, it's a weird situation to be in because, you know, you just want to, your heart just goes out to Haskell Garrett and um, you want to process it that way. And then having to report at the same time, is just, it's a surreal thing. Um, so it's good to be able in this context on the dubcast, I think to step back a little bit and just go like, you know, take a breather and go, Holy crap, man. Like that is, there's been some tragedy and I'm really, really glad that we were able to avoid it. I mean, it's still terrible. I'm not, you know, obviously this is awful what happened to him, but God, I'm just glad that he's out of the hospital. I'm glad that he's, you know, doing okay. I mean, that's just, that's something that really, you know, it makes me feel a lot better about this story, honestly. Um, yeah. And, and not a lot of details out. So, you know, who knows, you know, what else uh, might come out sure, um, there from the story. And, 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 but that's, that's one of the challenges too, you know, when you talked about, uh, what it's like being, you know, a reporter covering this or a weekend editor or whatnot. Mm-hmm. These, these are the kind of stories that you always want to be super careful with too, because you get a headline, the player's been shot, you know, and that's all you really know. Right. Uh, and, and I always like to give uh, our staff tremendous credit for having, you know, the best news judgment um, of anybody in the business, but also never rushing to be first at the sacrifice of being right. Right. Uh, and I, that's, that's such a, for people who've never worked in journalism, like that can be a really tough needle to thread, you know, particularly, um, you know, in breaking news type situations where you, you've got a report of something or especially in the era, era of social media, you see something on Twitter, you see something on Instagram, wherever it happens to be. And, and your instinct as a reporter is to, is to break the story. Uh, but, but you never want to be the person that breaks it and then, you know, totally fumbles the the story or totally gets like a key fact <laughs> right. wrong or totally misses the the script it's it, it doesn't matter if you're if you're first if you're if you're wrong right. uh and I, I just that's something that even back to the days when i was first on the site as a reader and and uh tooling around the message boards really respected about the 11 warriors ethos is that it's not it's not about being first uh it, it's about doing a good job covering the story and i think well and really we're lucky important. that we have some really really professional and, and great writers and, and you know beat writers and all them and, and editors who are going to go through that properly and do what they need to do to to report the story correctly um, and you know, there, the thing is, is that when something like this does happen, there really is a, an impulse to decide the narrative before all the facts come out. Right. Because it's, it's a big story, something crazy happened. So you want to be able to fill in the blanks quickly because you want to be able to say, okay, now I, I can, I can categorize this crazy thing. Um, and there were some people who were, you know, I, not necessarily on the site or anything like that, but I saw some people on Twitter and comments and, and, and replies saying like, well, we know what happened with this high state. And I'm like, Hey, you don't, you don't know anything what happened with this. Right. You think because there's a, a guy out late at night and he got shot and there must be some shady stuff going on with that dude. Again, we don't know all the story, but I gotta tell you something. That's a pretty crappy assumption to jump to. Yeah. Um, and if, if all of these facts of what we know are pretty much like set in stone and that's the way it went down, then that's a really crappy thing to do to Haskell Garrett. 
somebody who, you know, by all accounts was just trying to break up a fight. Um, so I, you know, that's why it's so important to get this right. And also to treat it with the kind of respect that it deserves. And particularly when it's something like a, a kid getting shot. I mean, really, like, it's not something that you can really jump to conclusions to, because if you do, it's just, it does a disservice to the story and the person who's involved. Um, and like I said, I'm just, I'm super glad that he's, he's okay. Yes. Uh, it's, it, it's unbelievable to me that he is, but I'm glad he is. I think that's great. And of course, you know, Ohio state's going to take care of him, which is, you know, I, that's that's one thing I think Ohio State does very well in certain uh, situations is that if, you know, there's an, an incident like this, they will figure something out and they'll make sure that it gets like Gene Smith is not going to, you know, let Haskell Garrett just kind of get tossed by the wayside, uh, nor would Ryan Day or anybody else on the staff. So um, that's good to hear. I'm glad again, he's he's out of the hospital. He's doing better. And uh, it, the incident, you know, wasn't more serious than it already was. So that's 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 good news. That's good to hear um other news we i mean it's you know again we're we're recording this on monday night so we occasionally you know before a lot of this happened we were recording on sunday nights and i was like well let's maybe shift it to monday nights um and the nice thing about that is that we can report on any monday news that might just happen to break in the hours before we start recording and this time it paid off because uh nicole Auerbach from the athletic uh made a report basically she was talking about how the big 10 presidents and chancellors voted to postpone now again there's been a lot of um consternation about whether a vote even occurred what the vote actually was Uh, according to her report it was 11 to 3 to postpone the college football season due to the covid pandemic um and then it also went into some detail about like the medical um uh, basis that they used to to cast those votes and it's really the result of this nebraska players lawsuit uh, against the big 10 uh, regarding canceling fall football so this is all part of the discovery process and what's going on is there anything in our backs report or anything else that you might have saw that surprised you or something that maybe confirmed something for you because i for me the vote is is really the fascinating part about this because nobody seems to have been on the same page about whether it even existed prior to this much less the actual tally of the vote itself i mean um, I, so so I, I think all along i've been i've been of the mind that the people who are like oh a vote didn't even happen or you know really questioning the the process per se were focusing on the wrong thing so i didn't have any doubt that that a vote happened or at the very least uh the presidents looked around the room and you know nodded each other and said this is the way we're going to go this Mm -hmm. isn't just something like there was a sense uh i think among commentators and and twitterers and so on that that you know kevin warren sort of pushed this through and the presidents were like well okay (laughs) you know guys that's i don't really think that's how this works you don't don't think so either you don't have a first year commissioner pushing around uh, 14 university presidents and chancellors at some of the largest land great universities in the country. That's just not, that's just not how it works. Even in, in that. And I did see, you know, some, some reporting that, that mentioned you have some young presidents and chancellors, uh, you know, Ohio state's own president Johnson, for example, I'm not even sure she's still officially on the clock yet. So, yeah, you know, so Ohio state in kind of a weird, <laughs> weird vote situation, uh, weird leadership transition situation there, but, but still, um, and and again, you know, I have I have the utmost respect for people that that want to try to find something 
where there isn't something here. Like, I think this is just a case where you had a group of presidents who are super risk averse, Mm -hmm. who are, you know, maybe getting advice from their legal counsel saying, we don't want to be on the hook for this uh, if it all goes horribly wrong and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but but the vote you know itself was was interesting i didn't doubt that there was a vote now we now we know it was 11 to 3 uh reportedly the three who said yes let's let's push forward were ohio state iowa and nebraska i don't think that should surprise anybody given kind of the full-throated let them play um messaging coming out of either um or, or any of those three schools particularly ohio state and nebraska mm-hmm. have in many ways been leading the charge so i don't think that should really surprise anyone what did surprise me was the schools who were not on board. Uh, you know, hearing some of the comments from Sandy Barber and and James Franklin at Penn State, you might have been led to believe that Penn State would have been in the uh, let them play camp. Um, you know, so there were a couple of other schools that I thought, for a minute I, I was surprised it was Wisconsin, but then I wasn't because Barry Alvarez's statement, his press release right after the vote was very much towing the company line. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I kind of that didn't surprise me that Wisconsin wasn't on board. And, and and I don't necessarily think that reflects on whether or not Wisconsin wanted to play or not so much as that Barry Alvarez is, is going to toe the party line. He's always been a good soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so what do you think about some of the others? Uh, Michigan, you know, it's interesting. Michigan has an epidemiologist as a university president. Yep. Uh, so diff- different perspective from your average university prexy in that committee meeting what what jumped out at you what uh what 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 flipped your lid so <laughs> i none of it was particularly surprising i agree with you i think what's interesting is that the state or the universities the schools that probably voted against it nebraska iowa ohio state probably were the ones that had complete alignment between president coach and ad that's what i think um and I think when you had those those three things aligned, it made it a lot easier for the university to to vote for or against. Um, so I think that's probably what happened there. I, you know, I saw a bunch of crap on Twitter about how this is a political decision. You know, oh. look at the states. And, you know, Tim Brando is out there saying like they're just trying to influence the election. I got. I want to say something real quick. This is if if this is an attempt by liberal or left leaning or whatever political you know, persuasion you want to try to influence the outcome of an election based on ruining football and costing the big 10 hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. I'm sorry. I got a bridge to sell you. All right. That's it's simply not true. And I think the outcome of this vote, if the 11 to three is, is the correct, you know, vote that actually happened, then guess what? That's completely blown up that whole concept because that's, that's certainly not the case. Um, My big thing, my big takeaway from this is that I think there was poor communication from the beginning. I think there was definitely some universities that were alignment top to bottom, and they were very vocal about what they wanted to see happen. And I think you had some universities, the Big Ten, that weren't. And without the unifying presence of a guy like Jim Delaney who can get everybody on board because he's the dude and he's been there forever and nobody's going to say boo against that guy, um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, infighting, a lot of like, you know, people kind of going against that company line who aren't Barry Alvarez, maybe haven't been around as long. And, you know, it's going to be messy because it's just, it's handled in a poorly and in a transitional period. And I don't know, man. I, I mean, the outcome surprises me because I really did think that they were just going to kind of vote to postpone and do basically what 
other conferences have tried to do. I will also say that while I don't necessarily agree with it, because I don't know why you would pull the trigger and, and just cancel fall sports when you did, I, I think that was premature. Their you know, choice in doing so may be borne out by what actually happens. Iowa is experiencing a gigantic explosion in COVID cases right now. Like they're they're really screwed. Um, Ohio State is experiencing an increase in COVID cases among students, not among you know players. Hopefully, we're not really sure, honestly. But at Ohio State, they're experiencing experiencing increases. Auburn had to stop practicing because they literally had two position like groups completely like white like they can't play right now because they all have COVID. Um, you've seen other universities have to you know cancel practices because of it. I don't think that you know, a position group or a bunch of cases at this point is going to prevent football from happening in the ACC and the SEC. I think they're just going to roll with it. Um, but I also think that that speaks to the difficulty involved going forward. I don't think it's going to be just as easy as we want it to happen. So it's going to happen. You're going to really have to deal with these questions probably throughout the fall. And I would love for it to just kind of like keep going down and keep going down. And then maybe the big 10 says, okay, we're going to revisit this and, and figure something out. Uh, but I don't see that happening. I, I think because you have that decision that was made so early and because you're going to see some complications in other schools, which, the, I, again, I don't think that will prevent them from playing. Um, you're still going to see, you know, the Big Ten and these other schools kind of stick with their guns a little bit. And I guess we're going to have to figure out football in November. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, So, that I mean, that's another big story that has been uh, just, you know, broken – literally broken in this case, uh, you know, you talk about breaking the news, the news is really mm -hmm. broken in this case where reports have been anywhere from the big 10 considering playing football Thanksgiving all the way through to, you know, January starts. Uh, and, and I've been a, a big fan of Scott Van Pelt for a long time. Uh, and, and SVP did a nice job the other night of taking the big 10, uh, to the proverbial woodshed because it, it has been, um, just a travesty of leadership from start to bottom as listeners yeah. of the program know I've been beating this drum for a while, but now here we are again, where you, you waited five, almost six months uh, to realize that you didn't have a plan B that plan a was hope and hope is not a strategy plan <laughs> B uh, plan B. We are now trying to figure out when, when does a spring slash winter slash maybe late fall season actually start and and what does that look like? So you've had these fragmented reports out there uh, of all of these different plans. So SVP brings up the point like, okay, Big Ten, if you're seriously considering starting football at, at, at late November, let's say, late November, you're you're doing the biggest self-own in, in history that you're <laughs> going to be starting up your season as as the real season uh, is winding down a real regular yeah. season for these other conferences who are actually playing for a national championship instead of the old Oaken bucket, uh, or Floyd of Rosedale, you know, just warming up. So how silly is that? And oh, by the way, what's the point of starting in November? Why couldn't you have started in October or late September? Like what's the magic of November? Now the answer to that is the magic of November is students are going home. And so the Big Ten is trying to uh, MacGyver a bubble without saying we're doing a bubble right? so exactly. that we can continue to uphold the veil of amateurism. But yep. uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of surprised, amazed, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm 
um, pleasantly surprised, I guess, that our our readers very astutely in today's poll at 11warriors.com when asked when the Big Ten football season would start and the options were November, January, or not until fall of 2021. You got a full 53% of voters now say not until fall of 21. Uh, I still think they're going to try it. I mean, like I said last week, man, I I, I think – if there's money on the table, it'll look stupid and ludicrous. And your Scott Van Pelt is 100% correct when he says that it's going to be insane to watch teams play for this quote unquote national championship while Ohio state is playing you know, Maryland in week two or something like that. Um, but I think, I still think they'll do it. They, they got to recoup their losses somehow and they don't care how dumb it looks. They're just going to, they'll do it. Um, that doesn't mean it's a good idea, <laughs> but you know, it's, it is what it is. I, you know, I, I've been saying since the beginning, this is kind of an all or nothing proposition. Either either you can have students on campus and play football, or you can't have that. Like it's, you, ha- If you can do one, you can do the other. And if you can't do one, then you definitely can't do the other. Um, and it's just, it's it's crazy to me they're trying to finagle it the way they are. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I kind of got a kick out of that. Like even the idea of starting around Thanksgiving, which to me, like, what, what are you going to do? You're like going to have like the 12 days of Christmas where you just play a bunch of football games before Christmas starts and then take a little break. And then I don't, the whole thing is just super silly to me. Um, it, it, it smacks of a lack of planning and a lack of a real coherent idea of what they're going to do. And honestly, we, we keep talking about football, right? Because that's the big money maker for the big 10. We haven't really been talking about basketball yet, which that's, that's a bunch of decisions that got to be made real soon here too. So that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out and how they want to do that, uh, particularly if cases, let's say they rebound in December. It gets colder, flu season starts up, people start getting sicker. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. So they got to they gotta make some decisions and some plans here real quick because otherwise it's just they're going to have egg all over their faces again. And I think Scott Van Pelt's right. It's, it's going to look really ludicrous. They'll still yeah. do it. I still think they'll go through with it, but, you know. I mean, think about think about the reality that we could be playing football and basketball at the same time. We could be having March Madness uh, and the Big Ten football championship conceivably in the same two or three week in a span vacuum, of time. Right. And what's, what pisses me off about this, Andy, is that in a vacuum, right, without COVID, that's freaking sweet. That's dope. I love that. <laughs> like, how cool is that? But that's only, but you know, but that's without context, right? So you put that in context, you're like, what the hell happened to cause that? Like, if you told me two years ago, like, uh, yeah, in 2021, uh, they're gonna play the Big Ten football championship in March Madness in the same week, I'm gonna be like, great. And then I'll think about it for five seconds. I'll go, why? <laughs> and then, and then future me will go, hang on a second, Johnny. It's just, I know you're excited, but you gotta, there's a little bit of background to this that you're gonna have to yeah. know. It's not gonna be so fun. And I'll go, to, uh, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story that, that, that's right, that one, exactly. you know? um, yeah. so it, the whole thing's wild and it, this will continue to be a crazy, goofy story going forward. I guess th- there was college football. College football has been played. Um, it, I don't know that anyone watched it. I sure as hell didn't because I don't care about, you know, POS teams that I've never heard of before, frankly, to, to play football that I, you know, I, I'm not such a glutton for that, that I'll, I'll watch literally any football um but it is a sign that's coming back so uh you know that's again that's another thing the big Ten's gonna have to deal with right well what does the pr look like you know as, a, as these other teams start to play and you're sitting there on your butt 
I mean, that's this is about to be one of the worst, you know, three month stretches in a football and a Big Ten football fit. But 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 I want to I want to go back to this. You know, uh, I I do believe that there's something to be said for Kevin Warren has gotten a lot of heat that should have been directed at university presidents. This Mm -hmm. this vote news maybe adds on to that. But I but I still uh, hold Warren accountable for a few things. One. You said it well earlier in in the broadcast when we were talking about the concept of alignment between the presidents, the athletic directors, and the football coaches. Some of that falls on the commissioner. You know, Mr. Commissioner, yeah. you, you, you need to take into account all the stakeholders involved. Just because you have the vote, you've still got to sell that to your people. Because I guarantee you that this story would be much different if Scott Frost and Ryan Day uh, and... Kirk Ference, LOL, uh, were, were all <laughs> involved in the conversation to some extent and went back to their parent groups and their players and said, gang, here's, here's what we're doing. And we have a plan. Uh, instead you had no alignment, you had no plan. And, and here's the other thing that's really been grinding my gears. So the big 10 does its thing. The PAC 12, you know, decided to take the same poison pill. There'd been some uh, chatter that maybe those two conferences were in alignment that they had they had discussed this plan and were going you know part of the reason they announced uh, you know right around the same time was because they were on the same page. But why was there no uh, overtures to the other three conferences to say, hey gang, let's do this together. Let's right. let, let's all push back so that we can all be instead of this. Uh, you know, it's like the Royal Rumble, every man for themselves. You know, and that's. That's what we're doing here as each conference is doing its own thing. Uh, it, it It's not certainly not good for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, but I don't think it's good for the college football sport as a whole. This was the biggest sport in the country, uh, maybe by a country mile, you know, and, and I just wonder what the long-term consequences of having this sort of fragmentation between uh, the programs that house your most marketable and profitable programs uh, looks like. And, and that just comes again, back to Warren. Like you should have been big Jim Delaney, even if he wasn't on the same page with Greg Sankey, they would have at least been in conversation. Oh yeah. Uh, no. I'm, I, I'm, I'm confident of that. And yeah. so you come back to somebody who is ill, ill-prepared uh, and maybe ill-suited for the most important job in college football. Yeah. And that's the commissioner and, of the big 10 conference. Well, and I also like, I would not discount the idea that maybe Kevin Warren was set up a little bit as the fall guy for the fact that you have the presidents not fully in alignment and and they were not willing to say like who was going to vote how and then all that other stuff and said they're going to put it entirely on Warren. Again, I'm not absolving Warren of his. No, I mean, it's, it's the Roger Goodell case study. Yeah. Right. Why does Roger Goodell still have a job? Because he's doing what the presidents or the, the, uh, the owners in this case, I mean, you, you make the analogy, the owners and the presidents, same, same deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's their meat shield as I heard it described uh, (laughs) sometime last week, you know, right. That's that's a thing. Yeah. And I I think there is a very, uh, very large possibility that he was, you know, prepared to take a lot of the heat that the presidents didn't necessarily want to take on in this instance. Um, So yeah, it's, it's going to be wild. We're going to see how it progresses throughout the week, I guess. I mean, as more discovery happens, as, as people try to pick apart, the medical reasoning behind the big 10 doing what they did because i'm sure that'll happen and everybody will say you know this is good or this is bad science I mean, that's going to be a whole mess in of itself um and then as you know 
there might be more communication for the Big Ten. I don't know. I mean, one of the things that I always I, I think is really interesting about this is the role of parents and players and how they're talking about it. We obviously had the rally uh, at Ohio Stadium um, uh, with, you know, Brandy Wade, Sean Wade's dad uh, going and, and they had, you know, a pretty, you know, a pretty decent crowd. I guess they had uh, maybe over 100 people who were there and, you know, there were some representatives from um, uh, Ohio State even. You had, you know, Kevin Wilson was there. Mark Pantone was there. So it wasn't like something that was just ignored. But one of the things that I think people are kind of misinterpreting about this a little bit is not necessarily like they they want whatever these parents are saying to kind of fit into what they want to get out of their protest, which is football coming back. I think it's a little more nuanced than that. I think that uh, Randy Wade and a lot of the rest of these parents really want communication. They, they want to be part of this conversation. And as you said, these are stakeholders in this, you know, what's going on. They want to be part of the the decision-making process. And that may not necessarily mean football coming back and, and, you know, just being completely normal and nothing being changed, which is, I think, what a lot of people are expecting from them. But it's it's really to have a voice. And that I am 100% behind. I mean, whatever people decide, I, I think that players and parents absolutely should have a voice in this conversation. But the idea that, okay, well, they're protesting and we're going to get exactly what we want because, you know, we've got the parents on our side. I don't know that that's really a good way to look at it because that takes away a little bit of their autonomy. Um, their protest isn't whatever you want to say it is. It's it's basically for them to have a voice and have input in the process. I um, think that's a general, like, theme, right, between, be- between all of the various permutations of the story is – more transparency uh in in the process there there has been none right i kind of uh dan hope did a great job of calling out the the nonsensical nature of uh, a statement in the big tens release about the this vote in the the nebraska uh lawsuit you know and they they said our, our task force will continue to be transparent lol continue to be transparent that implies that you started to be transparent which by the way hasn't happened big 10 conference so so right. these parents you know you want transparency from the conference like how how did you make this decision why did you make this decision why why weren't players involved since they're a pretty important part of the process why didn't you consider uh the copious and considerable protocols that are in place but i think it's also a theme too of the the balance of power you know who who holds the power in college football is, is it the, the schools? Is it the athletic departments uh, in specific? Is it the conference? Is it the TV rights holders? Is it the players? And, and in the past, that's been a pretty uh, clear cut and definable hierarchy. And boy, the balance of power for all these different stakeholder groups is changing before our eyes and, and very rapidly. Yeah, and very I rapidly. And I also don't want to discount the the idea that they do want to, you know, play football and and have that happen. They right very now. much want to play football. Of course yeah, they do. Yeah, I don't I don't want to discount that aspect of it. But to me the larger thing is the fact that they were left out of the the process and and kind of kept in the dark about a lot of this stuff. Like so Tough Borland's uh dad Kyle Borland said, you know, our beef is not at all with Ohio State. We want to make that very clear. Our beef was the Big 10. 
our beef was with university presidents. We want to know what the criteria and what the methodology you're using to make these play or no play decisions. I think that's completely fair. I think that is an absolutely fair statement to make and, and a consideration that you want to have. Because, yeah, if you want to play football and then, you know, you've got this group saying, no, we can't do it. Well, you have the right to understand why those decisions were being made and to be a part of that process. Um, does that mean you're going to get exactly what you want? No, not necessarily, but at least everybody can make an informed decision and have a, you know, a reasonable discussion about it um, because they do want to play. But again, it, a lot of that's based on the fact that they're not being looped in the conversation, right? So all they see is a college football team and, and program and university that genuinely, you know, is doing what they're trying to do to keep everybody safe. Uh, they're seeing infections relatively low within the football team. They're seeing, you know, a lot of support from said institution and coaches and all that stuff. And so for them, they're, they're, they're like, they don't see a huge problem. Um, and if somebody's out there telling them that there is a problem, then you want to know where that discrepancy is. You want to know why that's being said. So I, again, I, again, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with the idea that we have to play football or we should be playing football right now. Cause I don't know much more than I think the parents do in terms of that. I, I think it's possible that it could be played. I just don't think that, you know, everyone's done what they need to do to get to that point. But if I'm in their shoes, I'm just as mad at the lack of transparency as anybody else. Yeah. Cause it's, it really is ridiculous. And, you know, especially when you're a kid and you're talking about like a future that could involve millions of dollars and a huge, huge big part of their life just being taken away. Yeah. You're going to be a little pissed about that. And that's, that's understandable. So I like that they're out there. I like that they're having their voice heard and I think they're doing it in a responsible way. And I appreciate that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so that's a, those are stories we're going to keep paying attention to and, and watch as they develop. And again, this, I, <laughs> you know, I keep thinking that this is going to be over and we're just going to, you know, we'll be able to hit the snooze button for a couple of weeks. That's <laughs> clearly not the case. That's been wrong every week. So uh, that's, that's something we'll keep an eye on and obviously keep talking about. I uh, just want to remind you, the uh, Dubcast and 11 Warriors is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store. So drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, masks, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. It's awesome. And, you know, we're it's, it's getting a little, we're getting a little chill in the air. Have you noticed that, Andy? Like Today, summer finally, much, yeah, very finally much so. going away. Um, you know, and it wasn't a terrible... I'll, I'll be fair. It wasn't a terrible summer. It, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like some awful sweltering summers that we've had in the past. It was, it was pretty hot, but it wasn't awful. Um, and now we're going to hopefully get into a nice, like nice actual fall. I know that I'm getting hoodwinked. I, it happens every year, right? Where it's like 75 degrees for a week. And I'm like laughing my head off like, ah, get out of here summer. You suck. And then the next week it's like 90 degrees for five days straight. Um, but I'm enjoying it while I still can. So we got a lot of great stuff in the dry goods store. Check it out. Prepare yourself. Good stuff. Um, let's do a little ask us anything. So ask us anything where, again, I want to emphasize, first of all, great on our listeners for submitting some excellent ask us anything questions. You guys have been on a great run lately. So awesome. And, and I like the idea that you're really taking the ask us anything, the anything being the operative word in that part of that phrase to heart because really it is anything you, it doesn't have to be football related you know whatever you want uh so you can do that by sending us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on twitter we have another great slate of questions this week so i'm i'm very excited to get into it let's go ahead and start 
uh, with our, our good friend, St. Louis Wookiee. Uh, who was he? What a great question to start off. <laughs> ask us anything. Who was the best actor to play the Joker? Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's Heath Ledger. <laughs> if this Robert Pattinson Batman thing continues, who is your pick to play the Joker in those movies? I'll give you another hint. It's not Jared Leto. You're correct. It's not Jared Leto. It ain't Jared terrible. Leto. Terrible. Um, and I think he's a decent actor, but apparently a bit of a, a nutcase. And a yeah, it, I mean, we we can stipulate right up front that's bar none the worst Joker. Yeah, of them all. Yeah, yeah. That's not. There's no contest on that. He's terrible. Uh, uh, my my Joker power rankings. So okay, I, I actually I, want to hear this. I don't want to hear just who the best one because I'm sure you've got like at least the top three. Yeah, my my Joker power rankings. Uh, and and I have to tell you, I am I I've been a Batman fan to the core. Since I was a little kid, Batman was my comic book superhero, um, collected them faithfully in my youth, loved the uh, campy Adam West, Burt Ward, <laughs> Batman series and the Batman movie. Uh, in fact, we were talking here uh, at Casa del Vance the other night about potentially binge watching the original series just so that the little tight can be exposed to the splendor that was the classic Batman television. But my Joker power rankings... I so the nostalgia in me really wants to give it to Jack Nicholson because that was um a seminal moment for me as a young moviegoer going and seeing that was like the first like adult movie that my parents let me go to as a kid yeah. you know like a real I don't remember if that thing came out rated as PG or PG13 um but I was I don't know what geez maybe nine eight nine years old I mean I had to think what was that 90 so yeah probably I'm, I'm, I'm like nine it's 89 or 90 when it come out. Um, so anyway, I, I want to give it to Jack, but, but you're, you're right. Um, Heath Ledger, uh, did, did Ledger win the Oscar for that? And if he didn't, yeah. why not? He did. He did. Didn't he? Yes. I was pretty sure he did. And it, it, I mean, it was a breathtaking performance, just, uh, miles and miles of, of, uh, words have been spilled on how great the performance was. And, um, probably not enough has been said about it, but I'm going to go second. I'm going to give it to Jack Nicholson because, uh, Jack brought the Joker to life for a whole new generation. You know what he did in transforming it from, um, as, as I, as I heard it put the other day or read it the other day in an article about the upcoming, um, uh, Pattinson flick, you know, the Joker up to that point, Cesar Romero played him as kind of this harmless crackpot, right? You know, Cesar <laughs> Romero's Joker was, was, was fun and funny and he was just out to have a good time. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was shooting people for the hell of it and, uh, you know, killing mobsters with, uh, you know, an electro buzzer, um, right. gimmick, you know, he was, he was a homicidal maniac, right? So he brought the Joker kind of into, into the modern era and and i think that can't be undersold okay so three i'm going to give it to caesar romero because caesar romero <laughs> was ballsy enough just to paint over his mustache well, he's he not would shaving. not That's shave the stash he said paint over it and he did such a good job of it i didn't even notice it the first time i watched <laughs> the batman movie i'm not gonna lie i didn't even notice it uh let's see who are we forgetting here leto has to go to the bottom what an uninspired bizarre performance and and to say that somebody had a bizarre performance uh at a character that's meant to be bizarre is really saying something most of the decisions made about that character in what otherwise was a movie i really enjoyed mm. I, I looked and said 
but why though? <laughs> like Harley yeah. Quinn, pitch perfect. Harley Quinn, pitch perfect. Margot, Margot Robbie, oh, hubba hubba, my little heart goes pitter pat. She played that <laughs> character the way I think it's intended to be played. And I looked at Leto and said, you were, you were a waste in an otherwise really pretty good script and, and uh, cast and uh, just why, 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 why such a waste. Um, I've got to say that I have not seen the Joker yet. So I can't, I can't put Joaquin Phoenix in, in his appropriate place yet. Uh, I've heard good things. I heard the film was really fantastic and he would probably have to go, um, you know, pretty high up my, my power rankings, but I just, I haven't seen it yet. So I, I can't, I can't comment. All right. Where did I miss the mark? And did I forget anybody who is, I mean, I'm not including, um, the animated, uh, additions yet, which am I right that, um, Luke Skywalker voices the Joker in yeah, Mark Hamill. Yeah. 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 So, I, so I didn't include any of kind of the, the extended universe. I was sticking really with feature films. Uh, what did I miss? How did I do? So you would say Heath Ledger would be there at the top then. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I mean like, and you know, not to get too dark, but it just, you know, what he put into that, uh, you know, man, it's, it, it, it's just, and that was, that to me was the apex of that, of that trilogy. The third one kind of got out of hand. The first one was really fantastic, but you know, that was the high water mark. Yeah. I think it, it's wild because you know, if I'm, if I'm making this ranking, right, it's hard to do it in a way that kind of makes sense from like a comic book fan standpoint, because Heath Ledger's performance is, is like a legit, really great acting performance in the sense that you can't, when he's on screen, you don't look at anything else. It, it is a crazy, just intensely personal involved performance from him it's not it, it, he's not playing like the joker comic book character he's playing a malevolent insane force of chaos and that just happens to be named the joker so that i think it has to be judged slightly differently <laughs> because to me i think as an acting performance it's better than anything else uh that i've seen somebody play that character i would i would put him as number one because of that yeah. um if i'm thinking about like my idealized like joker like i'm, I'm really more of a marvel guy but you know i enjoy batman i think joker is a great character uh, from a character standpoint, I think Mark Hamill's voice work, like I grew up with that, right? Batman, the animated series. And that's so when good. I Joker, like that's the thing that pops in my head, right? Is, is Mark Hamill's voice doing that character. So and, that's and what I mask of the phantasm was a really good, that does not, not specific to Joker, but I'm like talking about how good that animated series was. Yeah. It's on Netflix, by the way, you can, you know, anybody listening, you can check it out. It's uh, basically the feature length. Uh, film of uh, Batman the Animated Series um, with like Bruce Tim doing all the designs and stuff. Um, so yeah, Mark Hamill, I think it really has to be up there because that's that that is the first thing I personally think of when I think of Joker. I did see the Walking Phoenix movie. It's fine. I I think it's a little. He does a good performance, but the movie itself is just kind of like it's overwrought and doesn't really, it's just basically complaining. Like that's really what it is. It's, it's yeah. just watching how sad the Joker is and sympathizing with the Joker. And it's, I get it, but it, it's a really, it's a one note movie that kind of wears thin after a half hour. Um, but it's fine. I mean, walking Phoenix does a good job. I wouldn't put him in my top three. Uh, I, I really like Jack Nicholson. I, you know, it's, it's hard. It's just because of how iconic it was. You kind of mentioned that. Um, and the thing about Jack Nicholson, so with a Joker, in my opinion, what you need to do with a Joker 
outside of Heath Ledger's performance, which Heath Ledger is not funny at all, really. I mean, he does he does some ironic or weird things, but he's not like cracking jokes or whatever. He's just kind of really creepy and weird and, and this force of nature. But if you're acting the character of the Joker, you need to be able to balance like laughing and being kind of a psychopath jokester and also like shifting to like dead serious murdering people. Jack Nicholson does that better than anybody because that's what he's been doing his entire acting career, basically. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if, if if anything, like his role in The Shining was basically his audition for the Joker later on. Um, even though Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah, even though there's a huge movies, I mean, they're, he's playing basically the same kind of character where you're just vacillating wildly back and forth. Um, and I think that's a really huge element of the character of the Joker. So that I would say those are my top three. I think Heath Ledger, just because his performance is just an absolute force of nature. Um, and then Mark Hamill, because I, I just cannot get that voice out of my head whenever anybody says Joker. Like, it's it's just, it's right in there. And then Jack is, Nick- is Hamill too old now to play live action Joker? Uh, I would say probably. And the other thing is, is that he's kind of paired back his, like he'll occasionally do a performance as the Joker, but I think he's just too old. Like it hurts his voice. So he, he stopped doing it as much. I mean, that's a legit thing. Like to do that pitch and timber to your voice that long. I mean, it's kind of like listening to a metal band. I remember, you know, I I was loved uh, ACDC and one of my great regrets (laughs) is that I never saw them in concert. And I just always wondered like how Brian Johnson did it all those years and still was able to do it like vocally like it just i thought you know at some point and maybe just you're wound that way i guess your chords are wound that way that you can that you can do it but like every time i would try to ape uh brian johnson on step up or lip or something you know if i (laughs) if i if i did it too many times i'm like i'm losing my voice so yeah that's the thing uh okay I i don't know what actor they would get to play a new joker well, here, so I want to, I want to give a shout out too. I forgot, I forgot one in my power rankings. This wasn't feature film, but did you watch the um, Fox TV series Gotham? No. Uh, okay. So I, I have to say like, especially in the early seasons, um, that was a really good television show. Well done, you know, and it kind of focused more on uh, young commissioner Gordon uh, who wasn't commissioner. He was, you know, Lieutenant Gordon or something when the show starts and um you know, the origins of a lot of the, the rogues gallery that, that Batman faced. I thought the show overall was really well done. And over a, I don't know, three, five seasons, how many seasons it was, you kind of take the transition from Bruce Wayne as the boy seeing his parents uh, murdered in the street to now he is the Batman. Like it's that, that arc uh, that happens. And the um, Cameron uh, Monaghan, I think was the name of the actor who played uh, a young, joker and they did some really weird things with his storyline and there was a you know a twin angle and all these kind of weird things but uh that young guy um when he first came out and they did the facial scarring and and the face paint to make him look like the joker it was legit and and the kid played it i mean pitch perfect so that i don't know you know whether or not that's uh an option i've seen some really crazy names tossed out there everything from willem dafoe to leonardo dicaprio as potential <laughs> jokers uh yeah right <laughs> like there somebody uh somebody tossed out johnny depp and i'm like all right we're just thinking of everybody who played a crazy guy uh sometime on the screen so I think I think hmm. uh, there's an Irish actor who I really like named uh, Don Hall uh, Gleason who's been in a lot of stuff. He was actually in the most recent like Star Wars series. Um, 
And I think he would be a good choice for that. He does a really good, like, <laughs> he gets offended really well. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's really just like, like you are personally injuring him with your words. <laughs> transform that into something really funny um, and really kind of like threatening. I think he would be a good uh, Joker for the future. That might be a good choice. Or maybe even though Cillian Murphy has, you know, already been in the Batman movies as Scarecrow, I think he would be a good choice also for the Joker. You know, and there was a guy who was well cast. Oh, yeah. You know, right. Really well cast. Yeah, so that's that's our uh, bat chat. Um, thank you for sending in that question. And we'll see you next week, same bat time, same that's bat right. channel. Uh, we got well, we got one more. We got one more here. We got to go out. I just on. had to get in the reference, you know. No, that's I, fair. That's since fair. I took oh, us no, back no. to, uh, I didn't want I anybody just, prematurely. I, no, I, no, I, stick I, with us. Stick with us. Very last second. Uh, this is from Jason. Uh, Jason uh, wants to come up here with a, he asked a question about the football groups. He's going to do a non-football one. He says, one of the attractive features of going to school like Ohio State is that it offers something for everybody. So the question that he has is, as Ohio State alums, which we both are, when you were a student, what group did you most, most identify with and find yourself involved with? So in other words, uh, what was the thing you would be most known for when others passed you on campus? What would you be doing? So for him, uh, pick up basketball, intramural basketball, um, and he still runs into people who say like, Hey, you know, I saw you at Larkin and all that. Um, so what was your, what was your jam? What did you do, uh, in your spare time on campus? Yeah, I would say just, uh, the, kind of the ag community in general. So I was an ag education sure. major and I lived in one of the ag dorms. So, uh, there were a couple of times we, um, did the hog roast at our, our dorms, uh, actually roasted a couple hogs on the South Oval uh, one time for, for, uh, student life, residence life, whatever the, the organization was called. So, yeah, I would say that was kind of my, my jam. It wasn't so much any one, um, organization that was, you know, tangentially involved with some of the different ag organizations, Saddle and Sirloin, Ag Communicators, Tomorrow and whatnot. But yeah, for the most part, it was just more, more, uh, socializing with people in the ag dorms and the extended ag college community, I would say more than anything. I, um, I had a, uh, an ill-fated, uh, run for USG representative for our area, uh, got, got absolutely whooped by uh, a pre-vet <laughs> major. Um, but it was fun. So uh, a guy named Eddie Pauline, who still works for the university, Eddie was USG president at the time. And, and I kind of ran on his ticket. Um, and so was supposed to be part of his organization. And that, that my freshman semester, fall semester, uh, I was in a really bad car crash and oh. kind of ended up withdrawing from the semester. And, and so that ended my, my, my student government career, because after I came back then, um, I, I never really got involved after that, but I met a lot of interesting right. people. So I, I really wanted to be involved in student government. And I just, after, uh, after I got back to campus, after recuperating from my, my several injuries, so uh, hmm. Uh, just never got back into it. So yeah, just down uh, ag, ag peeps in general. What about you, Johnny Lee? I did a bunch of random stuff. I was on the OUAB, the Ohio Union Activities Board, for a little bit for a couple of years. Uh, I was organizing like their off-campus activities, like especially with movie nights and all that. So I was, right. I did that. Um, I was a very briefly tenured DJ on Ohio State's uh, radio station, College Run Radio Station. I did that for like maybe a week <laughs> it was not very long i can't remember exactly how long it was not very long i did a couple shows uh and then i did i liked intramurals i was i was the guy who 
as I got later on and I felt a little more secure in my grades because I was I, I did pretty well in college, but I was really terrified of not doing well in college. So once I loosened up a little bit, I got big into intramurals, particularly in my senior year in grad school. And uh, I did a bunch of like softball teams and indoor soccer and whatnot. And that was always a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that, um, particularly because I found the niche where like, you know, you know, you have multiple tiers, right? You have kids who are basically like they could be walk-ons at other schools and whatnot. And then you have kids who are like really good, but not that good. And then you've got another tier where it's like just kind of people who know how to play. And then you got the lowest tier where it's like, oh, we're just having fun. I was in that second tier and my knowledge of certain sports <laughs> gave me an advantage over most of the people in that second tier. And so I was, I found the niche where I was like, I'm not a good athlete, but I knew more about these sports and pretty much everybody else playing. So I could like kind of finagle that to be better than most people there. Um, and I was like, I, I did enjoy kicking a lot of people's asses in for soccer <laughs> just cause I know how to dribble a little bit and like do like a half a trick and like nobody could handle that at that level. So I'm just scoring goals left, right? It's, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. So I enjoyed that. It was a bit of an ego boost, uh, for something that absolutely doesn't matter. Um, and then occasionally you would stumble, like I stumbled into that third tier once on one of my softball teams. I did okay. But then you would see a guy who was just like, every time you get up to play, he'd bomb a 300 foot softball home run. You're like, all right, this is, mm -hmm. I've tapped out. This is my limit. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's fun to stay involved into that kind of stuff. And Ohio state, uh, you know, has just a huge and robust intramural uh, sports program, which I think is still on right now, actually, uh, which is a whole other topic of conversation. Whistling, um, whistling past the graveyard that's right so uh but that's always fun and i always enjoyed that you know um, your mention of being a dj i i don't know why i totally spaced on this but probably the thing i suppose i was most known for uh during my time on campus and even for a few years after was i was a mobile disc jockey and so the summer before i got to ohio state I said to myself, self, what is something you've always wanted to do before you go to college? And instead of coming up with something sensible, like go to the beach or, you know, <laughs> backpack across Europe or work on a sheep station in Australia, I came up with, I want to start my own business. And the business I decided to start was being a mobile disc jockey. So uh, I went and bought uh, a, a high powered and good God, highly expensive uh, Mac, it wasn't called a MacBook Pro at that time. It was an Apple PowerBook uh, G3 and bought uh, some speakers and a mixer and some microphones and some lights and a little gobo ball uh, sparkly thing. And next thing you know, I was, I was DJ Andy. And so I DJed a <laughs> lot of fraternity and sorority formals and yeah. just beer parties in the backyard of off-campus housing. Uh, under the one party police got called probably three times to come and tell us to tone it down. Uh, and of course I kept telling the police, you got to talk to the, got to talk to the people paying me. I'm just the DJ, man. I'm not in charge here. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, those were good times. So I, I DJed a lot of campus parties over, over gosh, three, four, five year period. And then, you know, from there it, it, uh, spun out into, Hey, I remember you DJed, uh, so-and-so's party, would you do my wedding? And then, you know, that was, I became a wedding DJ for, geez, God, I think I finally sold my speakers, you know, like last year when we moved. So 
Oh, long run. That was almost 20 career. years. Yeah. yeah, it was almost 20 years. Yeah, that be, I say that, uh, you know, I paid for beer and books that way, you know, when I was on campus. It was a it was a handy side hustle back before anyone used the term side hustle. No, that's that's legit. That's really awesome. Um, so, yeah, thanks for sending those in. By the way, special shout out. I'm going to have to forward this email to you. I forgot to do it. Uh, this actually Jason saw it first. Uh, and he sent it to the uh, dubcast thing. But uh, Tyler, thank you. He He's dropping some Ohio State or state of Ohio, rather, knowledge on us. And um, he's talking about surveying and some other history stuff that we may want to know about the Buckeye State. So we're, I'm going to forward that to you, Andy. We're going to talk about it. We'll look through it. And uh, hopefully we can dissect it a little bit on the dubcast because it's it's really fascinating. So I'm about like, because awesome. Ohio really, I mean, if you think about it, Ohio for a long time was the West of the United States. And yeah. a lot of surveying was done in this part of the country and they really perfected a lot of their, um, you know, techniques and and ways that they were establishing borders particularly because it's you know in the northwest territories uh so i'm gonna look into that and i really appreciate tyler for uh, sending that question so thank you for doing that dude we'll definitely check that out um so keep sending those questions keep listening we always appreciate it it's excellent uh and that's the dubcast so we'll be next week we'll dissect all of this we'll keep going through what i'm sure is going to be even more news in the next you know seven days and uh until then i'm johnny And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next week.